What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kev and Josh. Tonight, we're going to break down the Hounds. Nice 4-1 to bounce-back win and what it could mean for things moving forward. Let's go! Can you believe that, guys? No, I mean, that, that is no, the craziest sequence of events we've seen in, all, in quite a period of time. In the top right corner, gentlemen. Out to the middle. Back to Guys, before we get into things, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, young listener James. James, I don't know if you know this or not, but your dad took a picture of the book box that you decorated for school and shared it out online. Um, and James had done a really great job, covered it with red paper, put all sorts of hound stuff all over it for school, but then he also slapped one of his uh, Mongol stickers on there. Not only was the Mongol sticker on there, uh, something that never like crossed my mind, but he wrote my name and Josh's name and Kev's name around each head, which I was like, that, that is dedication right there. So, Clever. yeah. So James, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, legit. like I told you guys before we started recording, I think I might print it out and like hang it up and just, yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. This might be a stupid question. Uh, what is a book box? I don't have kids. I don't remember book boxes when I was a kid. What, what are these? So, uh, basically when you're organizing stuff on a shelf, um, it's something that you could stick like folders in, uh, or, uh, thin books in or papers in. So like I have one for each of my kids and anytime they finished like, you know, stacks of, of paper, then I'll put it in there and it's just a way to organize it. So they're not just laying flat or scattered all over the place. So this is like kind of like pre locker. Like you don't yeah, have a locker. Yeah, yeah. You, you have a little box that you put your stuff in. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense now. Yeah. So James, that's, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. Um, to follow that up, uh, your dad, Matt, uh, tweeted out, will Mike ever show up to a game when he says he'll be there? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, apologies. Um, I was fully on board, ready to go. And, uh, you know, everybody from Mongols can attest cause I was going back and forth in our chat all day. Um, my family got hit sporadically. So my six year old got it last Saturday. My nine year old got it on Wednesday and me who never gets sick, got it Thursday night where got no sleep. Cause I was basically up sick all night. Um, I was still going to go and then basically was sick all morning, ended up taking a uh, half day Friday off of work in the afternoon, just cause like it was not pretty here. Um, so four hours, basically two hours in and two hours out just wasn't going to happen. So um, I, I encourage Matt to start the conspiracy theories because, I mean, Mike says he's sick. I mean, but come on, this is yet another occurrence. I don't even know. This I love, I love how you're the one right? poking me. Like if anybody, I feel like Josh could poke me. You're the one... Yeah, you've been the person who's been to less games this season. Listeners don't know this. Mike actually lives in Alaska, all right? No one knows this, but, you know, I'm actually closer to Pittsburgh. It's actually a houseboat. He's just been slowly sailing farther and farther away from the mainland. Oh, man, yeah. But, Josh, you were there. Looked like you guys had a good time. Evan was in from the USL show, and you guys got some pictures and got to hang out. How'd it go? It was awesome. It was great to see Evan boyfriend they were both awesome and uh they stuck around after the game which i was surprised uh, i being able to take the steel armies you know jabbing after a 4-1 victory that, that, that's pretty good um and also were they speaking, in the steel army speaking of victory one second yeah oh, there it is hey. it's been a few weeks man too. yeah i know it's actually it's been since last time we beat bethlehem believe it's, it or not so it's like <laughs> it's like prohibition on here um <laughs> so yeah, so Kevin asked, did he sit in the Steel Army? No, no. They have, like, this, uh, like, so they have an away section at the stadium for supporting fans from a different uh, state and everything like that. But it, it's, it's like, kind of catty-corner to us, so it's not too far away from the Steel Army. But still, the fact that he came over afterwards, hung out with us, and with a lot of Steel Army members afterwards, it was pretty cool. We got a cool group, group photo. Um, I think we posted on Twitter. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, again, you know, sorry I couldn't make it, but glad that the Hounds did get the four to one win. Um, guys, I think there's a lot of takeaways from this one. Um, Josh, you want to start us off here? What's what's one of your big takeaways from this game? Man, Greenspan showing us up again. I mean, <laughs> we made the comment about him getting headers into the goal and how it just never happens and how disappointing it was in set pieces and. There he is again, getting another header into the goal, and I'm I'm loving it. It is so awesome to see. 
I feel like uh, the Steel Army, they also were really excited for him to see him start scoring. Uh, we did our victory selfie that we always do after a game that we've won, and uh, we had uh, our pitcher with him, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think someone from the Steel Army tweeted out that if we had complained about him getting headers earlier in the season, we'd be in number one right now, um, <laughs> top position. Yeah, I thought the cool thing was, so in real time watching it, it was awesome, because he didn't even like leave his feet. He just sort of dropped back and drove at the ball and headed it down, which was fantastic. But when I went back and watched the replay, the cool thing was... If you watch, Zemanski sort of does like this quick signal, like he sort of like wipes his nose and then does like this like cut line or something like that. And when he does it, and I don't know if this is exactly what's going on, but it sort of looked like it when he did it, you could see Greenspan sort of like nod and take a few steps back. So it almost felt like it was a set play for Greenspan that Zemanski saw something and just decided to whip it into his area, and that's and that's what made it all come together, which makes the whole thing even better. But it was just really cool if you go back and watch it. Watch Zemanski. He does something really quick with his hands uh, to sort of signal that uh, that he saw something. I, so it was cool. I actually think things like that are more frequent than we think. It's just they never execute it. <laughs> like I, I think that happens like a lot, and then the delivery is just bad, and then you know no one ever talks about it. But yeah, it, it did kind of look like that. Way to rain on the parade, Kevin. <laughs> He's being honest. All right, Kev, what's one of your takeaways? <laughs> well, so, yeah, kind of, it, it follows somewhat along the line with, with Greenspan's goal. It, it just seemed so, I don't know, it seemed so easy. Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure it wasn't. Maybe you guys had a different perspective. But while I was watching the game, everything felt so naturally like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, Dover's going to be on the back post after Rayleigh makes this gut-bursting run and just drops it in. And it's like, of course, you know, someone's going to be there. And it's, of course, you know, Greenspan's header, it looked just so easy. Like, why aren't you, you know, every set piece, it should be it should be this easy. And, and obviously it's not. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort um, in, in training to to make it look that easy. But, but yeah, no, I, I you know, it's... Forbes, once again, my God. I mean, like, I think he's hitting peak form right now. That goal was ridiculous, and, and but once again, kind of going. I don't know, uh, but it, it it's tough to. I mean, because our form certainly didn't suggest a four-one win here, right? I mean, like I don't like I don't know how you. I do you guys remember the predictions you made going into this game? I think I said like one nil. Um, so Dare to dream, none of yeah. us did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so so it, it's kind of weird to think like our form definitely didn't suggest a four-one win. I mean, did we play well enough to have a 4-1 win? Partly, sure. But, I, I, like, you know, you, I think you're going to have to ask the question, was Bethlehem just that bad? I mean, Forbes' goal, great goal. But, you know, he had the space just outside the 18 to kind of take a step, line up a shot, and, and rip it. Um, I, I feel like most defenses, you know, don't really give you that space. And so, I don't know, it's a weird one. But, man, it was, it was really nice to – it felt like the first time in a long time where – you know, by 70, you were able to kind of like drop your shoulders a little bit and really kick back and, and relax and, and, you know, enjoy the last 20 minutes because that's a rare occurrence uh, this season for the Hounds. Yeah, my uh, my nine-year-old who was watching it, well, all the kids were watching it with me, but he's, he's very much about, um, uh, he wants to make sure that everybody... Uh, not that nobody's upset, but like at a certain point, he was like, "Oh, oh," he's like, "I'm, I'm starting to feel really bad for Bethlehem." And then like they got the fourth goal, and he's like, "Oh, no," he's like, "I can't even watch anymore. Like I feel really bad for them." Like he's happy that the Hounds are winning, but he's like, "This is like you know a bit of a bloodbath," um, which you know it it wasn't. I think you know one of the biggest things was just that we were finishing our chances when so many times the season. We haven't. And I think the thing that's so impressive about this is this this was not Toronto. Like, this is Bethlehem. At the time, they were fifth place in the East. They're now down at sixth. So this is a team that we very well could end up seeing in the first round of the playoffs, depending on how things shake out. So first of all, I think just from a, um, you know, sending a message sort of thing, you know, you don't want to go and face a team the first round of the playoffs that you know the last time you played them, they whooped you four to one. But, you know, two, Kev, like you said, it – it just felt natural. And and only one of the goals came from Brett. And I'm starting to realize that Brett is much more of a, like, one of his strengths is turning nothing into something. Like, that ball came in, and literally he had two guys on him, and it just sort of poked through one of their legs. And at that point, you're like, <laughs> he's finishing it. Like, when he gets it within the 18 and he has a clear shot, there's there's no hesitation. Like, it's, it's going to go in. 
Which is super impressive. I mean, because that finish was not easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he, I, I think, I mean, he's two-footed, but I think, you know, if he's taking a pen, he's probably hitting it with his right. And so, I mean, he hits it with his left and puts it in the bottom qu- I mean, look, we've seen a lot of players for the, for the Hounds miss opportunities like that this season, and you're right. I mean, he, he, he gets one chance, and, and it's it's in. And, yeah, he's, he's incredible. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys know the... Jermaine Defoe, the English striker, but I feel like he's he's that guy. Like Defoe was never that quick. He was never that. T- he's, he's not tall, but yeah, he just somehow always gets a goal like every game. Yeah, and, and his and his pump. Yeah, he's great to watch. There's also something to be said about the follow through, just not giving up on the ball. I feel like that's something that we see uh, in this this league. Really, is we don't, we see a lack of follow through from some players. They they kind of give up on it a little bit early. I don't know if it's just the the lower division or just the fault. Just in general, follow through. I don't think is as good as it is in other leagues. So having him following through, keep on going at it, not giving up on the the shot is awesome. And I I will say though that this game, like at halftime, it was two one. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like this was going to be another one of those. Uh, it's going to be a battle until the very end. They're going to let well, let one go, a mental slip, and it's going to be another situation where we get a draw or worse. And I, I was pleasantly surprised that that's not what it was. But I don't I don't know what happened in between the second half uh, and the first half that kind of changed it. it. It did feel like at a certain point Bethlehem just gave up. It, it, it felt like the rage quit situation where they're just like, okay, we're not going <laughs> to win this one, whatever, don't care. Uh, and they just kind of gave up on it. Well, so, I mean, like, leading up to that point, though, do, I mean, do you guys think Bethlehem came for the three points? Like, or because, like, I think that's one of the biggest things, right, of, of the past recent home games is so many teams rocking up, showing, wow, show up. What am I saying? Just let me, all right. <laughs> breath <laughs> so many teams show up and accept the point like outright and and i don't know i mean how do you guys think bethlehem approached this game yeah i don't think it was actually uh, i i feel like they would have been fine with the point the big thing that happened though was they got that penalty and so the the questionable penalty uh, i i didn't have a good angle on it and it's i'm watching the replays i can't it wasn't i still it didn't look like it was a you know a good call but whatever they got that penalty and it, I feel like at that point, they're like, oh, okay, so maybe we can, you know, hold on to this one. And then luckily we got another point, a goal before the end of the half, so that was nice. But, yeah, I, I think they would have been fine with one point. Yeah, and I think Evan was on the show with uh, with uh, Justin um, talking about it a little bit. And uh, Evan said as much that, you know, the best-case scenario he was thinking for, for Bethlehem was, you know, let's just get a point. And get out of there. Um, you know, you, you can't sit back on this team and hope for a point. Um, I mean, we've seen it. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. We've seen, like, the Rowdies come in and literally just pack everybody back and try to go for nil-nil. But that wasn't the case here. You know, the if if that was Steele's strategy, then it feels like they were slightly less disciplined than Tampa was. Because I, I think after the Tampa game, that was my biggest takeaway, was that no matter what, Tampa looked really disciplined and they did not open up at all. Whereas I think most teams can be sort of goaded into stepping out, stepping out and giving a little bit of space. But that wasn't the case here. Um, well, you know, they, and, they and, did pull out. And in what, what minute did Greenspan score? I mean, it because it, like as soon as that goes in, then that plane goes out the window. If that plan was ever a thing... Then there, you know, there's nothing to defend anymore. You're already losing. You have to go forward. So yeah, I mean that that could have, you know, an, an early goal. I mean, and that could be a really I don't know. Obviously, everyone wants to score early, but for a team like how you know who we are and how we play, especially at home when teams play against us at Highmark, I mean, an early goal can just do so much for us. I mean, because yeah, if teams are happy with the point then yeah as soon as we get the early goal then everything changes they have to come out and then that's when we can kind of you know maybe lean on our our defense and, and counter in the way we want and and play the way we want and all that kind of stuff so yeah early goals i think would be pivotal for their for like you know the end of the season and early playoff games yeah no i fully yeah, that goal was in the 17th minute and it's it's also kind of good to note that we're on not uh, us, but Bethlehem actually is pretty far ahead as far as games played this season. 
they're sitting at 30 games, I think, now. Hmm. Um, everyone else is like 27, 28. So they, I feel like there might be a little bit of, you know, just the fact that they're they're so far ahead of everyone else in games played that it, it, it looks like they're doing better than they really are. Um, but they they are looking at their their wins and everything like that. They're kind of one of those sneaky teams that when they get a win, it's usually not against a team you'd think like Nashville they got a win again. So it's just like, oh, okay, wow, all right. So I don't know. I I think Bethlehem might we might see them drop in the standings and they might miss out in the playoffs because of it. Ooh, calling your shot. I like it, Josh. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about, and Kev, you sort of mentioned it briefly, but uh, Lee's cross to Dover. Like a little piece of me just like cheered because it was outside back to outside back. Like, like I got you. Like, like I know what you're going through. I got you. And literally, when it went through, um, you know, all of my kids were like, "Oh, nobody's there." And I, I knew, I knew when Lee crossed that ball in that Dover was itching to get to it. And you could see as it went across that he wasn't there, and he just came flying in at the last second. Like that was amazing. That was perfect. I, so many of the goals in this game were just like, "Ugh, ugh." It's beautiful. It's uh, it's a set. <laughs> piece they were all different too, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Greenspan's header off the set piece. You have Brett's kind of you know weird poachy goal. Yeah. You had Forbes ripping it, and then you had honestly. I mean, what's your favorite goal? I think I, I think my favorite. I mean, I, I feel terrible for Forbes here for saying this, but I think Rayleigh and and Dover because it's it's one of those perfect where time slows down. Yeah. As soon as that ball leaves his foot, you're just like. Okay, someone coming to someone coming to someone coming. Ah, someone's coming, and, and, and they just as soon as you like, at least for me watching it, you know, on the TV, you know, as soon as Dover enters the picture, then it's just like elation, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. But like, you can't really see. Yeah, it's that was that, that goal was great. Yeah, Josh, that was the opposite end of the field from you were. So, what would you say out of the four was your favorite? I mean, I. I at the time, right after the game, it was Greenspan. But watching the replays, I think it's just because I didn't get a chance to really see uh, Forbes all that well. His goal is because it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was one of the situations where, like, next thing you know, like, smoke's going off. You're like, we, what the heck just happened? <laughs> so it, it, watching the replay, it, it has to be Forbes for me, at least. It, it just reminded me a lot of... You know, the good old days with uh, Robbie Vincent and just ripping one out and just getting it in there from far. So Yeah. Kev, you mentioned it earlier. Forbes has just been feeling it. I mean, after the fact, um, I think Dover was interviewed and he said, look, Forbes is the, um, I don't think he said the easiest player that he's ever played with, but he knows that if he passes the ball to Forbes, all he has to do is run up the field and the ball will find its way back to his foot. Like he's just, he's in the zone right now. He's commanding the field. I think he's everything that we sort of hoped he would be when we heard he was signed in the off season. So yeah, Yeah, he's, he's the perfect midfielder. I mean, I, I think it's so, I think so much, um, I think there, there, there's a jump in players at this level for technical ability. I think a lot of players, you know, a lot of these players are very fit and, you know, know the game well and all that kind of stuff. But I think what separates the kind of elite players at this level is things like, you know, how good your first touch, like how quickly can you control the ball? How much can you see the field in your head? Like if it, like Forbes knows where everyone is. Like he doesn't have to look up. He, he just... And I think, you know, his composure, his touch, his vision, I think all of those just kind of set him set him apart from everyone. And, it, I mean, it's it's taken, what? I mean, you know, a good half of the season, I feel like, for him to to get into his groove. But, I mean, he's in it right now, no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean he's, I don't, he's making a push right now for, like, Vonky Zeal needs to start having some man of the match performances <laughs> for me. I mean, if you know Forbes is Forbes is playing that well, where I'm kind of forgetting about Vonky Zeal right now. Oh, don't say that, Tommy. V, I mean, like he in, still in the best, you. don't worry. in the best way possible. I mean, he's you know he's playing well, but yeah. Don't worry, don't worry, Tommy V. No, um, USL actually just put out a thing uh, today um, where they said that Forbes has recorded 37 key passes from open play this season more than the likes of Cincinnati's Ledesma and Orange County's Quinn, um, and continues to show an innate ability to find teammates in good positions to finish. So he's leading the league right now with those 37 key passes. Um, so, yeah, kudos to Forbes. That's a... Nice. Yeah. 
dude's just doing it. Um, and I guess the other thing that's, that I think was impressive about this was the fact that we did it again. You know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, Dan Land being out, Kirk being able to step in. This was a case where I don't think we can fault Kirk for the goal. Uh, you know, it was a soft PK. Um, and, the, you know, Chambers, Chambers is, you know, he's a pro. He just stepped up and put it in the corner. You can't, you can't fault Kirk for that at all. But obviously Lind wasn't in, Kerr wasn't in, Francois wasn't in. So, you know, missing a lot of our key players that if we talked about this a few weeks ago, we'd think like, you know, how, how are we going to perform, um, you know, without those guys there? And, and they did great. So, yeah, really, really exciting stuff. Um, guys. I, I think one of, you, one of you mentioned too before um, it, it being kind of a statement game. And, and I feel like anytime you, you put up four goals, it is a statement game. And it, it's, I mean, you know, make no mistake, I feel, the likes of, Louisville and and Charleston will look at that game and think crap. You know what I mean? Like we, like the you know we we've been sluggish the past couple games, and you know Louisville and Charleston have seen that as an opportunity to gain some points. And you know after this game, I finally allowed myself to look at the standings, and it's like oh, oh yeah crap, yeah. we're back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 in a healthy we're in a healthy position, and coming off a win like that, yeah, everyone everyone's feeling good. Absolutely. I guess, guys, any other uh, any other takeaways from this game before we uh, jump into some listener questions and stuff here? Um, just one thing. This is, you know, the beginning of our homestand uh, as far as we have, uh, what is it, three games in a row at home. And this is definitely the way we needed to, to start it. Yeah. Getting this 4-1 victory is going to be huge going into Louisville. And now that we know that Louisville is going to be playing uh, a shorter week, uh, that's going to help us out as well. So I'm feeling pretty good about that game coming off the back of this one and also uh we did get a little bit of an update uh, on lynn um from the sounds of it he was practicing during this uh before the game started this uh week so it sounds like he's gonna be back here pretty soon most likely next week so that's that's good news to hear and i'm hoping he comes back fully rested and you know it shows up for these games because this is do or die moment for us this is the home stretch yeah and i noticed the usl keep posting out you know the race for the golden glove and he's still at the top and i keep waiting for them to like take him down because he hasn't been playing but they keep leaving him there so the sooner he comes back the better uh his his chances are is, is that still just goals allowed or because like what i think i saw that graphic too it was or if it was something like goals per game or something because i know that could have an effect if like you know if you if you're a goalkeeper and play like four games yeah it's it's i think the way that they show it is average goals per game so i think yeah. he's still in the like 50 percent range where um he's there, i mean there has to be game. some kind of cutoff right like oh yeah no there were... i think he's already passed that cutoff though i i feel like there is but i feel like the cutoff is like a low number of games like right. if you're just a backup keeper and you only play like two games i, was, I don't think you can get it who's our second keeper kyle morton is that yeah. his name yeah i mean he had like what he's probably let in like a goal maybe yeah <laughs> he's on the list so there has to be something all i know is uh, i was watching uh pickens uh that game and he let in three goals so i was really happy to see that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and josh you know to your point um king jeffrey pointed out and, and he asked the question does louisville playing on a kind of short week change your outlook on saturday's game so for those who missed it uh louisville was supposed to play cincy this weekend uh in louisville and uh for those who have been with the hounds for a little bit then you all know how wonderfully terrible louisville's field is it's it's a baseball stadium that they just sort of throw grass on top of um they got tons of rain there and uh and it was basically like a lake and so i think they played 30 minutes and since he was up one nothing and they decided to postpone the game um and it was just announced today that the game will be played tomorrow which is tuesday uh so really you know louisville will have had to gear up for a game on saturday play 30 minutes of it now they're going to play the rest of the game on tuesday uh, and then they're going to turn around and come to play us on Saturday. So it is going to be a bit of a short week. We'll talk more about Louisville in a bit, but just wanted to sort of fill in that that detail there. Um, yeah, guys, so, you know, obviously a, a huge win for the boys. Um, well done, guys. Really, really good stuff. I think it's a great bounce back. And, you know, Kev, you mentioned that we were sort of sluggish. I, I think we sort of made the argument that it maybe wasn't that we were sluggish, that that expectations are just really high for this team, you know, to go into to Cincy and basically have them on their heels and, and have all the trappings of getting a win. But, you know, 
not getting some calls here and there and, and just having a mental breakdown at the end is really what hurt us. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a good bounce back game guys. Let's, uh, let's get into some listener questions. Um, you know, as, as always, uh, you guys did not disappoint. So Dan Yost asked of the teams currently in second through fifth place, how would Yin's guys rank their respective remaining strength of schedule? So let me paint the picture here. Um, Hounds are currently in second at 49 points. Battery are in third at 48 points. Louisville are in fourth with 47 points. And Indy are in fifth with 45 points. So all of four points uh, separating us from Indy. Um, That's the difference between a first round home playoff match and not. So um, definitely tight. Definitely tight. Um, When you look at how many games each team has left, excuse me, Louisville technically has eight games left if you include the Cincy game. So after they play tomorrow, they'll have seven games just like we do. Battery and Indy only have six games left. So us and Louisville have the the better chance of sort of making up some points if we need them. Um, And, you know, since we're playing Louisville, this could be a huge swing this weekend where if we get three points, they're now three points in the hole from us, which is, um, you know, basically a six-point swing, which is fantastic. So anyway... Strength of schedule. Um, Hounds, seven games left. Four of those are against current playoff teams. Two of those are against teams fighting for a spot, and one team is out of it. They're just, it's, it's based, I think it's Atlanta, um, where they, they have little to no chance of making it in. The Battery have six games left. Only one of those games is against a current playoff team. Three of them are against teams fighting for a spot, and two of the teams are out of it. Uh, Louisville has, uh, like I said, eight games left, including Cincy. Three of those against playoff teams. Three are fighting for a spot. Two are out of it. And then Indy, with six games left, have, six games left, have four playoff teams. Two that technically still have a shot. Um, Rowdies and Pen 15, but they're sort of flirting on the outskirts of not making it in. So, guys, I guess the question really comes down to what do you think is a more difficult play at this point in the season? Is it other teams that are pretty much in the playoffs and are just jockeying for positions or do you think that those teams that are you know scrapping and clawing to try to get one of those last few spots could be more dangerous because for the most part things look to be fairly balanced i think the battery probably might have the easiest road but playing against three teams that are fighting for a spot that could really change things and and not in their favor Kev, how, how do you feel? Or would you rather play a team right now that is pretty much already in the playoffs or would you rather face a team that, you know, is out of it, but is out of it for a reason and they're trying to scrap their way in? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I think at this time of year, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I just, I, this could be naive of me, but I feel like if you're within a chance of the playoffs or in the playoffs, Points are still points, and, and, and you want to get maximum points from, from, from every game. Now, I think you, you can maybe start getting a little you know, if you, more clever if, if you're already in the playoffs and you can kind of plot out the rest of your games and say, okay, maybe we can afford a, afford a point here. Whereas maybe if you're, on, if you're on the bubble, then you, know, you can't really do that. And you have to take maximum points and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. For me, I think I'd still rather... Give, give me the team lower down they're there for a reason um and and i'd rather play i'd rather play them um because yeah i'm just i'm still convinced everyone's going to want to get as many points as possible right now jo- uh, jocelyn for places because it is so tight i mean it's it things can turn around really quickly here at the end of the season so um from that i mean yeah both charleston and louisville i have fairly easy run-ins i mean louisville still has to play us so um but uh i mean i think both of them play both Canadian teams close to the end of the season. I mean, so both of them are going to have somewhat easier games at the end of the season. Indy looks tough. Um, they have, yeah, some pretty tough games. So they're they're definitely going to have to, I don't know. I, I don't see Indy jumping up in front of anyone. I think we kind of have an established top four right now with Louisville, Charleston, us, and, and Cincy. But uh, we'll see if that, that order stays the same. I was going to say, Kev, don't look now, but Ottawa's only one point out of playoffs 
contention. So, uh, you know, one of those Canadian teams might might make their way dun, in. Dun, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe for other teams, but not for us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hoping Ottawa does make it in because I want them to be the ones to knock out Cincy yes. out of the playoffs in the first yes. round. That's just going to be, mwah, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> uh, but no, the point, I, I mean, with the way it's going right now, it is so tight in the East that I don't really think of a team who is in the top four compared or like in the playoffs compared to a couple teams who are fighting for a spot are that different like the bottom four in the playoffs and the ones fighting for a spot they're super close i feel like what is it uh 42 points 40 points 39 38 35 i mean it's it's doesn't exactly have a huge difference in point values so i feel like either one is going to be fighting for every point they can so even though the battery have three games against three uh, teams fighting for a spot, those three teams are just as likely to be contenders against them or try to get the three points as the ones that are inside the the playoff range and are technically better teams. So I, I don't feel like anyone really has it easy. I do think we have probably the toughest out of uh, all of them just because we, we are playing against a lot of people who are in the top four. Uh, still yet so it's going to be a little bit rougher for us but not by a lot and I'm kind of okay with it because we've played these guys before and we've beat most of them before so oh well <laughs> just we have to do it again and we'll have to play those type of teams in the playoffs so uh, it's a good thing we're you know getting that practice game against them yeah yeah I was gonna say you know if, if you had to look at sort of the hounds the battery Louisville and Indy and maybe not rank them in terms of um uh, you know, difficulty in terms of what Dan asked, but just who has the toughest run. Um, I think you could make an argument, you know, Josh, I, I think your point of, you know, everybody's jostling for a position, even though since he's the only team that's officially clinched, clinched a playoff spot, I think, Kev, you mentioned that it's sort of accepted, which right or wrong, that your top four is probably going to be Cincy, us, Louisville, and the battery. Um, I think that's a fairly safe bet, but we'll see. Anything can happen. That said, everybody's jostling for position. If, you know, Bethlehem can get a win, if Indy can get some wins and get themselves a home playoff match, that would be huge. So I think if you have that in mind, you'd have to look at the teams that are playing four current playoff teams. If the, if the idea is everybody's playing for points, then the teams that, are, that still have four playoff teams left to go, that's basically us and Indy. Um, and then, uh, you know, when you when you compare that, we then also have two teams that are really fighting for a spot, whereas Indy's other two games are against the Rowdies and Pen15, which, you know, we still have to pay, play Pen15. Um, and I think I counted them as basically out of it, maybe. I don't know. Um, I can't remember what I did when I put those stats together. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, we're going to win that one anyway and just bring home the, the Keystone Cup, so it doesn't really matter. So um, And the old guard shield. And the, and the old guard shield, which you know with all this talk of d3 um who knows how long the old guard shield would say i would love there was some discussion online i would love if the old guard shield remained no matter what happens and if there are some teams like rochester rochester's supposed to come back in d3 like if we could just include rochester and either do like a preseason tournament or something like they do out west that would be fantastic um and just keep the teams together and keep playing that would be so cool so um yeah dan hopefully that answers your question um yeah, I think the Hounds and Indy have a pretty tough run, but I, I don't think there's any gimmies from this point out, so we'll have to see. Just take it one game at a time, and uh, let's beat Louisville this weekend. Um, Mike at OneCheck37 said, when when Lynn comes back, do you guys think he'll be rocking the head protector like we saw this past game? Um, Josh, you said he was warming up. Was he wearing, like, the like the foam helmet that some of the... the yeah, he had play? a helmet on. Yeah, um, yeah, he had the mask on. Uh, he, he will be rocking that, I feel like. Wait, the the, a mask or the helmet? I thought it was a mask. Oh, okay. I could have been wrong. I didn't see him. I was hearing the report from other people, uh, but I thought people said a mask. Um, so I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, because he got a – didn't he, like, get a fracture on his cheekbone or something yeah. like that? Like, it, so it, it would make more sense if it was a mask. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's going to not have any protective gear on. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, you know, honestly, whatever he's got to do, you know, to get back on the field, I'm yeah. not going to – as long as I, and that's this is where I disagree with you because I think the whole helmet thing is ridiculous. Wear the mask; it's cool. And like, <laughs> like, look, 
fine. I'm I'm kind of joking here. Like if you medically, if it's safe, you know, fine, go for it. But it's just look like Peter Check always or Petter Check or I don't I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, always wears it. And I just think he looks goofy with it and like just I don't know, like I think the mask might intimidate, and so that's cool. I, I don't know. I just want to see. I wear the mask uh, all the time, as far as I'm concerned. Just never take it I'm off. I'm glad the fashion of the players matters so much yeah. to you. <laughs> it really does. I mean, hey, those those jerseys, man. Looking good. Yeah. Speaking of looking looking goofy, at Mike D. Sparks asks, Kevin, why are you trying so hard to look like Jurgen Klopp? <laughs> did you just throw that in there, Mike? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Figured. That wasn't in there, and I know that's your Twitter handle. I, did, so, I, uh... didn't, I didn't realize it until, like, you jumped on the, on the call today. But, like, you've got the big glasses and the blonde hair, and you got the beard. I, I feel like you're trying to look like Klopp. Is that what's going on here? It's not actively, but mm-hmm. if I'm naturally just growing into the Klopp aura, then, then you He's know. not going to complain. So that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, back to the real questions. Sorry for the uh, diversions there. Laura Ellen said, uh, what continued areas for improvement do you see in this team, even with the 4-1 to win? Um, I jokingly said on Twitter that we could get better at, play- at paying off the refs since we've been hosed the past few games. <laughs> so, you know, we can improve in that area. But, um, yeah, I, I, that's a tough one because I think coming into this game, I think we'd have a lot of things that we would – point to and say well you know mentally we need to stay tough and and it felt like we sort of corrected that in this game but again you know this is a team that kev you know it was kind of your point were they coming in to get three points and josh you mentioned sort of once we got you know basically after halftime in that third goal they sort of just like shut down so it's really hard for me to read how much of this was the hounds being completely dominant and how much of this was bethlehem just not showing up um and I think we'll get a much better sense of that against Louisville, you know, a team that's sort of battling us for second place. Uh, but I guess, guys, is there anything in particular that you think are things that we could definitely improve upon going into, you know, this next game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is not – even in this game, uh, looking at it objectively, uh, if you, you know, put aside the scoreline, it wasn't our best game. It We didn't look as – great as i've seen us look before even in games where we lost where i thought well, we had a lot more discipline um so it, it's not exactly like this game was a a cure-all um we still have to be more consistent with offense we still have to make sure we're keeping our focus both mentally and physically in the last you know 10 minutes 15 minutes of the uh, match th- th- these things are still going to haunt us if we don't clamp down on those so there's plenty that we can work on that we need to work on. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention it, but I think Parks missed two pretty open goals again this game. So that's one other thing that we can work on. I, I, think, I think your Parks obsession is like my Kerr obsession. I think it's getting to that <laughs> that's level. That's true. I, I feel like it might be on par. Mm. Or at least getting there. Mm. I think I have stats to back mine up. Kev, is there anything that... Uh... <laughs> Me too, buddy. <laughs> Kev, is there anything that jumps out at you that you think would be uh, good to focus on here? I mean, part of me is just convinced that any type of defensive frailty we've shown in the past couple games will be solved as soon as Lynn steps back in. Because it's not even necessarily like the shots that he's stopping. I mean, now it's, you know, I'm, I'm convincing myself of this with not really seeing direct evidence of it. So this is probably really unfair to Kirk, but... I mean, things like just communication with your back line, you know, having having your center backs knowing for when you're going to come, when you're going to when you're going to stay and and like how you're going to distribute the ball. And, and, you know, all of that stuff really matters. And I mean, it's taken an entire season for Lynn to kind of generate that relationship with the rest of the team. And I think that's that's not to go unnoticed. And so I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of convinced Lynn is the is the yeah most important kind of critical piece to, to link everything back together on the defensive end. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, no, nothing, nothing that big and different. I mean, I think Forbes has stepped into that role where he's, he's starting to, to pull the strings and yeah, the most important thing is just clinical uh, is being clinical in front of net. I mean, Brett has been the embodiment of that all season. Um, and, and, in this game, I think it just came off, you know, I, in games gone past, Greenspan doesn't score that header, and and you know in games gone past, you know maybe Francois or or 
or Parks or other people try that shot, Forbes hits, except it doesn't go in. And you know, it's things like that. And it's in this game, just everything went right for us. And uh, and so, yeah, we just need to continue to be be clinical in front of that. And like you said, Mike, I mean, if we were more clinical in this game, it could have been could have been much higher, which could have sent out a bigger statement. You know, given us more momentum. So. I think that's the biggest thing that we can improve on and, and the biggest thing that has plagued us all season. Yeah. I feel like, and we, we've talked about this, we've been close. Like, Kev, you know, you mentioned, like, a lot of these games are sort of, you know, how teams roll into form just before they become, like, that elite team. And, and we've been really close. It's just been little things here and there. And so I think in this game, this was something where all of the little things went our way. Um, and uh, And hopefully it just keeps going our way. Yeah, I mean, and we mentioned it before. I mean, like, this didn't look like a radically different Hounds team. Right. Like, and we won 4-1. And so you're right. I mean, I think that that's kind of indicative of we've been close all season. And, and when things click, you know, it doesn't take much for us to really just dominate a game without looking like we're trying. <laughs> so, which is an exciting thought. Yeah, I, I uh, made the joke after the game. Uh, Lily uh, had the guys in the center of the field for another good 15 minutes before he would let them go to you know slap hands and sign autographs with the kids and uh i went up to I can't remember which player i went up to i was just like so uh let me guess you guys got yelled at because you guys scored too many times uh <laughs> you're not allowed to score more than twice here <laughs> uh no one would say anything about what the speech was about which is you know because they're all upstanding professional soccer players but uh yeah <laughs> just, like, oh, yeah. wink so, wink I, josh told us stuff <laughs> off air <laughs> i'm kidding I, don't know. I do think it, it, lily did see that this this wasn't their best game and they did have a lot of issues still even though they got the victory and even though it was a you know decisive victory there's still things that need to be worked on yeah. no no doubt so um, speaking of you know professional soccer players and professional organizations, uh, Quaker Eakin Lube said, "Can we get Tuffy to drop money on the field from a helicopter at halftime? Better yet, <laughs> over the mon." So for those who who, who missed this, Las Vegas Lights FC dropped five thousand dollars out of a helicopter at midfield uh, for their season ticket holders, sponsors, and a few random fans. Um, I think it was like two thousand of it was in ones, and then like the rest of it was in like I think they said twos, fives, tens, and twenties. And uh, basically just flew a helicopter over midfield oh. and their fans ran out and were able to grab as much money as they could. It, it was glorious. It was so <laughs> funny to watch. And uh, I watched it live because I, I had to stay up for this. It was a late game. I think I ended up being like at midnight or something like that before they actually dropped the cash. But uh, it was totally worth it. it. It was so weird. It was just so out there. Only, only Las Vegas lights. It, only they would have done this, and it was it, it was just as ridiculous as I was hoping it would be. <laughs> uh, it is up on their Twitter, so if you go follow them, not follow them, but just search them on Twitter, uh, you can see the video of it. It's so ridiculous. Uh, one of the guys who did it uh, was on Reddit uh, that night or the next day, and he did a little short AMA about it, and he got like 20 bucks. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it was so hard to catch that cash because it was just flying all over the place. Uh, he had a picture of like half a dollar bill that got ripped because he just <laughs> tried to grab it and someone's foot was on, on it, so it just ripped it. He's like, I got 50 cents, I think. That counts. <laughs> yeah, there were stories all over of people like, oh, you know, I hope I just get enough to like buy tickets to the next game or something like that, and they walk away with like 10 bucks just because like... <laughs> It's like, you know, some people were like, we're too short. Like, we can't reach over the people who are taller than us. The people who are taller, like, it's all on the ground. We can't get to the ground. And It looks scary. <laughs> uh, the very first, like, when they first dropped the first handful of cash, because it's just a guy in the helicopter just grabbing the cash, like, the dollar bills, just throwing them out. It wasn't even like it was, like, some It wasn't like a llama execution. with, like, a machine gun with cash. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> he was just grabbing fistfuls of cash just throwing it out the helicopter <laughs> and watching all these people underneath like just scramble to get it but the first handful he threw out it was just a mad rush to the center of the field i'm like this looks dangerous <laughs> like this can't be safe I, from what i understand no one got hurt it was all good fun even though it looked a little bit dystopian uh it was still <laughs> a good time had by all <laughs> oh man uh, you know I'm I'm really glad that Vegas is in the USL. Like we talk about it being sort of a bit of a wild west, and just like you wouldn't see that happen in the MLS. Like this is fantastic. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm so glad they're not our team, but I'm yes. glad they're in the league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, honestly, like anyone who's listening, tweet tweet at us. 
to, to kind of check me on it. Like, I legitimately can't think of anything else in sports that has, like, this nuts. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, like, can you guys think of any other occurrence where I, I can't? I mean, like, I, 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 I'm I sure, I'm sure something's out there, and that's why I'm saying, like, if you're listening, you know, tweet us something that's not more nuts than this. But it's legitimately insane. Look, and it's, it's, this is this is the team that was that awards the players with casino chips if they score X amount of goals at home, who take their team photos with llamas and have a marijuana dispensary as one of their key sponsors. So, like, at this point, it's just like, of course, Vegas would do it. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Oh, they also have the uh, the shirts, the the jerseys that when you flip them up, there's a smiley face on them. But if you do that, you get penalized for it because you're not allowed to take your shirt off. <laughs> so, but they're not taking uh, it off; they're just flipping it up. Oh no! And they still got a, the first game they did it at. They got a card because they counted it as <laughs> taking the shirt off, so they can't even do their stupid smiley face. Uh, we're also talking about uh, the coach yes. Chelis or whatever. He uh, the fir- one of the first games he gets. Uh, sent off the field so he just jumps over top of the barricade thing and goes sits with the fans and lights up a cigar <laughs> and just like watches the game from the stands smoking a cigarella or oh whatever God. <laughs> like, hmm, this is interesting <laughs> oh, oh man oh how amazing would it be to i mean i know that we wouldn't if if you know assuming that we do well throughout the playoffs if you make it to the finals you basically play a western conference team then but it would be so great to play las vegas at some point in vegas like i would just uh, uh dan yost the guy who asked our first question he is actually going to vegas this uh coming weekend and he's going to go see a lights game uh he's going to try to get a picture with the the llamas hopefully with a steel army scarf or a riverhound scarf oh, and so i'm really nice. hoping he pulls it off because i just want to see it happen. look at this point if i go to vegas and they aren't playing i'm i'm legitimately going to be disappointed like i feel yeah. like like that is a draw now like i want to go see the lights play just to see the chaos and yeah watch people get trampled trying to catch money out of helicopters <laughs> Oh man! All right, I guess enough about Vegas, um, guys. Let's let's talk a little bit about Louisville. So, um, you know, I guess the first question that that uh, that I mentioned earlier that uh, King Jeffrey posted about does Louisville playing on a kind of short week change our outlook on Saturday's game? I would say yes. Um, you know, the fact that, like I said, they had to gear up to play Saturday. Only got thirty minutes in. They're gonna have to play sixty plus on tuesday or aka tomorrow um and then which is which was unexpected um i think you know anytime that you're a professional team you sort of plan out a schedule you know typically a few weeks in advance where you're trying to figure out practice times and this is when we can you know start focusing on other teams and obviously there's short weeks that you have to adjust and you think okay well we're going to do this here but this was clearly a case of where the game was postponed and they found out today that they're playing tomorrow. So, um, you know, in terms of whether or not they'll get points against Cincy, I think that hurts their chances there. But I think additionally, they're going to then be tired after tomorrow, heading into Wednesday, and now all of a sudden they got to turn around and prep for us when they were probably thinking they could do that earlier this week. So I definitely think that it does help us how much is yet to be seen. I mean, obviously, Louisville is a professional team. They won it all last year. Um, they've, they've always sort of been right there with us this whole season. So, um, regardless, I don't think this is going to be something where they just don't show up. Like this is definitely going to be a good game. Um, but guys, what do you, what do you think, Kev? Are you, are you worried about this game? Where, where do you stand on it? I mean, I I think their midweek schedule change. I don't know. I look, to be honest, I think it certainly doesn't hurt like, anything from our perspective but I don't, I don't know i don't think it's going to be that substantial i mean these guys are pros they're they're fit guys you know they're it's what this is going to be 60 minutes so it's not even going to be a full 90 they can get presumably i mean i don't you know subs will play a bit differently now because usually you know, maybe you sub out on 60 or 70 but you can still kind of play with with the entire starting lineup, and, and them not going to. So I think I think the biggest advantage we have is just yeah, it's less time for them to prepare for us, which which will help. It's more tape for Lily to go over um, and just mess with them. Yeah, and so I think I think the biggest plus for us is going to be yeah, they'll have less time to prepare for us, which I mean I'm sure that they, they would they'll they'll need all the time they can get to kind of tactically break us down so that's good but no yeah i mean look it's it's this is going to be a great game i mean it's this is for me it's it's always been cincy and then louisville in my head 
as far as teams that that can hurt us but uh so yeah i'm really looking forward to it yeah and it's also kind of something to keep in mind is they see each other that way too uh this is about as close as a rivalry that cincinnati has in the usl it's against louis uh the fans love it the the team takes it seriously i believe so it's not like they're going to be coming out of this being like ah we don't really need the points against the cincinnati who cares they're already in first place let's not like start our starters i don't think that's how they're going to take this game it's not a full game either i mean it's essentially a little over half a game that they're playing so i don't think the the likelihood of it being tiring on them isn't what i plan on helping us it's the fact that they're going to be playing a intense game against a rival that's going to be a lot of their brain power going towards that game. Um, so just mentally, they're going to be a little bit tired uh, after this. And also, it's since it is an intense game for them, uh, who knows, injuries or red cards or, you know, tippers flare when it comes to rivalries. So it, it could have a possible outcome that would help us. So it's yet to be seen if it's going to be all that helpful. I think it's going to be more of when we watch the game, we're going to know better if this is going to be detrimental to them going into our game. Yeah, and injuries and red cards are legit concern, Josh. You bring up a really good point. So keep an eye out to see what happens tomorrow night. You know, if you don't have anything going on Tuesday, it's probably definitely worth a watch just to see how things shake out. Um, Louisville do have a game in hand on us, and they are only two points back. So, you know, when we play this weekend, like I said, this could be a huge six-point swing. If we can get three and keep them from getting three, that could be, you know, massive in terms Major. of standings yeah um they have been a bit of an enigma lately in their last three games they beat richmond six nothing they then lost four to one to toronto which i think that was a game everyone was like what um and then they drew two two to the battery who are now in third so um all over the place but uh i guess guys in terms of what you hope to see in this game is there any particular, I mean, obviously Francois didn't play in this game. We've talked a little bit about whether or not Lind would be back. Um, anything in particular that you're definitely looking for and hoping for before we sort of get into score predictions here, Kev? Just that Lind's back. I'm so, I've been waiting for this day for a while. Um, but uh, but no, yeah, I mean, I, I want to, another good performance at home. This is going to be a big, big atmosphere, big game. Um yeah, I, and, and lend with the mask. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> if he goes back. We don't know for sure. Right. He said he should be back, so I, I believe he will be, but you never know. I'm going to uh, flip out if he's not. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, Can't wait. In my head, it's made up that he, he's coming back. But <laughs> I just imagine Klopp jumping up and down the side <laughs> of falling off. But I just replaced it with you, and it was very easy yeah. to do, so that was great. Uh, <laughs> no, I... I think this has to be a win for me at least it's one of those games that if we want to make a statement yeah it was cool getting four uh, goals against Bethlehem and that that's kind of a statement but if anything's a statement it's getting three points against Louisville that would be huge and I feel like we there's no reason why we can't we saw how we performed away against Cincy and we looked great uh we barely lost that one I feel like so against a team that's not as good as Cincy at home, I think we get three points. And, and they're not going to be coming. I mean, Louisville's coming to get three points, period. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. So they're not going to be sitting back and just absorbing. At least I don't think they would be. No. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, three points here would get us up to 52 points. Uh, the line is currently at 39. That's where Nashville is. Now, obviously, if Nashville wins, that'll put that at 42 points. So we'll still be 10 points ahead. But the later you get in the season, the more and more those points matter. Um, and, you know, if we could lock up a playoff spot, you know, with a few weeks left, obviously we're targeting a home field matchup. But uh, that would be something that, you know, in, in I want to say in all of the history of doing this show, we've never been able to talk about a playoff match so i think that would be reason to celebrate um which is kind of crazy to say but uh yeah here we are um that's nuts so i guess in terms of uh in terms of score predictions i didn't actually get into like what i want to see so i guess i'll i'll start off the score predictions um i will say that dan lynn comes back because josh said it was so and the hounds (laughs) end up winning this one (laughs) Um, I think they, I think they win two nothing. I think we get a goal uh, early in the second half, and that causes Louisville to have to open up a little bit, and then we get sort of a late one to sort of seal it. 
and uh, and that's how I see it going down. Josh, what do you? Uh, how do you see this playing out? Oh, if Lynn does come back and we get a clean sheet, how awesome! I feel like that would be the biggest victory. Just such a good thing for Lynn if that happens. I'm a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit worried about Lynn if he is back, just because coming off this injury, how how your nerves are. How are you gonna be as attack oriented like he has been in the past are you going to come out for that ball when you know the last time you did you have that going through your mind uh it's just one of those things that uh, you never know how a player is going to react to an injury like this and i think it's the first time he's really had a, a major a major injury so it scares me a little bit but um yeah i i feel like a 2-0 would be awesome uh just because I'm a little bit trepidatious with the whole keeper situation, I'm going to say 2-1. Uh, hedge my bet a little bit there. I don't know about the the clean sheet, but, yeah, I'm hoping for it. That would be awesome. I haven't seen the mask, but I almost hope that he puts it on. He's like, ah, I'm invincible! And just, like, goes <laughs> exactly. ripping people's heads off. And That's where his power comes <laughs> from. It's, instead of punching corners, he just heads them away with his face. <laughs> <He> just... <laughs> You remember Major League? He puts on the sun, or he puts on the glasses that are just really nerdy. But that's how he does his fastball. It's like that's his. He just screams after everything. Kev, what, Kev, what do you think? Uh, my head says two one, but something in my gut says three two. I mean, I think Louisville Ooh. has. Ooh. They have the ability to put the ball in the net, and uh, you know, I think on our day, so do we. I don't know. I mean, so it's. I, I, I could see us continually going up. They continually pull it back. Um, but, but no, I'll say 2-1. Okay. So we got... Would you guys be disappointed with the draw? No, not at all. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, uh, well... <laughs> well, I guess also a lot of it depends on the Cincy result, too. I think if Cincy finish off Louisville midweek, get the three points, then no. Draw is, I think, completely fine. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, we'll see. Qu- quick note too before you you we finally wrap up. I'll, I'll get to this. I'm sure we'll wrap around again on this point at the end of the season. But my, I mean, looking at the standings again, Tampa in 13th on Wolf on March 16th, 2018. The USL Show tweeted out their top 10 rankings headed into the 2018 season. They rank Tampa number one in the entire USL. I mean, talk about a fall from grace. I mean, like, 13th in the – that's insane. I mean, like, I think a lot – yeah, a lot of people, you know, USL show included, I think tipped Tampa, yeah, to be the dominant team in the East. And, and geez, so I mean, much has happened to them this season. They have the personnel. Like, I, I think that's the biggest thing is, like, they were successful last year. I think they were a horrible road team last year. And they couldn't figure it out, so everyone just you know assumed that they would figure it out. And then this year they started off having troubles, and their solution was they got rid of their coach and took one of their starting center backs and made him the coach, which I think when you take anybody that you're relying on like that out of the equation and putting them into a new role, you're just asking for trouble. But, um, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's a crazy story. So we'll see. I mean, they, they're, they're technically not out of it, I guess. They're, they're eight points back from Nashville. So, you know, stranger things have happened. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I think any of those teams that, that get hot right below the line are probably the teams that people really don't want to face um, heading into the playoffs. Because, uh, yeah, the eighth seed is likely not just going to, like, you know, roll into it. They're going to have to fight for it. And that's going to be a tough opponent in the first round. Yeah, technically only one team has uh, mathematically been eliminated from making the playoffs. And that's uh, uh, the everyone's favorite punching bag toronto so uh you mean at 12 points they can't battle back and get to the uh to 39 apparently the math is not on their side (laughs) no they cannot get into the playoffs even with you know our ridiculous playoffs being half the freaking league getting in uh they still can't do it that's a shame so that's what we thought uh thanks everybody for all the questions and comments and uh everything james thanks again um you know that was really really cool and thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves official scarf supplier to mls usl and us soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com if you're looking for more great pittsburgh soccer news head over to pittsburghsoccernow.com john has the uh the market cornered in terms of high school and college games so anybody that you know that plays in a high school match college match i know that john was putting out um they're going to start doing some voting for like players of the players of the month 
um, at the high school level, which is really, really cool. So definitely go check that out, pittsburghsoccernow.com. Head over to bgn.fm and uh, uslnews.com for more on USL. That's all part of the BGN family. You can follow us on Twitter at Mongols and at WoMongols. Email us at mongols at bgn.fm. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show, leave us a review. I say that every week. Nobody ever does. We'd really appreciate it. It would be fantastic. Please do that. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. And uh, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. Before you go, please help us to keep doing what we're doing by becoming a supporter of the show. Head over to mongols.com and click on the Become a Supporter button. For as little as $1 per month, just $1, you can help keep the show commercial free while also getting a say in who we interview, the questions we ask, what we talk about, and you can get some sweet gear as well. Thanks again to all of our listeners for your continued support. That's mongols.com. Click on Become a Supporter. mongols.com. Become a Supporter. Thanks.